0: Hello and welcome back to the Manchester Weekly from the Mail. We're supposed to be a weekly podcast. We've had a couple of weeks of not doing it. Mm. And that will have been to the great disappointment of our listeners. So thank you for being patient, listeners. I'm here with Jack Dalhanty. Hello. And we are talking about a story that we reported over the weekend. And which didn't come from an email or a Twitter DM. It came from someone walking into our office. I was coming back from lunch. And I saw a woman and she was standing in our corridor and I was trying to work out, is she going into our office or is she going into the osteopath? And it was the opposite. And I thought she was probably for the osteopath. And then I walked into the office and she kind of followed me in and said, is this the mill? And I said, yes. And this was Margaret. She's in her seventies. And she told a story about her daughter, heavily pregnant daughter living in hotels because her social flat, her council flat, in the city center was rat infested because the housing association had done nothing about it and she wanted someone to spur a bit of action that is the story of today's podcast yeah jack before we get onto that let's talk about our sponsor the manchester statistical society had you ever heard of this before i had
1: never heard of it
0: and what do what what comes to your mind when you hear the name it sounds quite dry. <laughs> it sounds It sounds quite academic as well. It does well. sound very academic. It sounds like a bunch of like, mathematicians. It is in fact a very interesting organisation that holds events, forums really, to talk about big events and big sort of issues. And it's not just maths and, and stats and stuff. Mm. They talk about poverty, they talk about climate change, they talk about educational outcomes. It started 190 years ago, which must make it one of the oldest Manchester institutions. Yeah. And it was started by a group of friends who felt that like, an important part of combating poverty in, in the Industrial Revolution in Manchester was to collect data. It's like, we need to know how many people are living in these basements. We need to know how, mm. much, how much bread people are buying. We need to know how much they're earning. And because they're collecting the data, they're also obviously discussing it and debating it. And so it was one of those sort of like Industrial Revolution kind of organizations. You know, I'm thinking like... The Lit and Fill feels like another one of those. And like all these sort of libraries that popped up. What's the really nice library just off, um, just next to the art gallery? The beautiful library. We can never remember the name of this library. Portico. Portico, yeah. That was another one. Like everyone went there to read the newspapers. So all these kind of like organisations that popped up around for the, probably like the middle classes to, to speak to each other and to debate and to create social reform. And the Manchester Statistical Society is still going which is remarkable. It does regular talks. Like last year, they had Sir Richard Lees. They had Stephen Watson, the new head of the uh, Greater Manchester Police. Really big people. This, um, in, in the months coming up, they've got talks about the effect that the pandemic had on children. They've got stuff about climate change. They've got really interesting talks. It's not just about statistics. It's about loads of social issues. They're sponsoring today's podcast, which we're very grateful for. They really strongly encourage you to go to their website. Just Google Manchester Statistical Society. Go to their website and check out their upcoming talks. And non-members can go along. You just need to book in advance. And they've got loads of good ones coming up. So thank you for, for their sponsorship. Now, Jack, the story you did over the weekend went out under the headline, The Powerlessness of Michaela Alley." And I came in on Monday and you had Michaela and her mum, Margaret, in the office. And you were, you were speaking to them. Yeah. You've only known these guys for a week now, but you've met them on on a couple of occasions.
1: Yeah. Who is Michaela
0: and what is her situation with regards
1: to her flat? So Michaela is from Gorton and she currently works at Manchester Royal Infirmary as a nurse's assistant in the head and neck ward. Mm. And the situation that she's found herself in is that she moved into a basement flat in the northern quarter when she was about 25. So that would have been 10 years ago and it's run by this housing association called Riverside and she's always had certain issues with the flat which I write about in the story things with damp and a sort of smell of damp and she talks about how she'd always kind of gotten used to those things and accepted that that was just part of it. She made consistent complaints but never was anything so bad that it like spurred her into mad urgency. Mm. And then last year there was a leak in the flat in the basement ceiling and when it was a contractor was sent to fix it and he went into the roof he found that it had been infested with rats. Mm. So that was last August and only now over a year later have those rats been removed. Mm -hmm. And in the interceding time she's lived in hotels while they're trying to fix it she's also become pregnant which has made it more complicated with how she can access the flat and things like that and it's just a terrible situation for someone to find themselves in especially with a housing association Mm. that is meant to kind of be the cover all, of these services and make this stuff work
0: yeah so when margaret came in and spoke to me she basically sounded like she was at the end of her options. Like she's tried loads of times to get through to the Housing Association. Yeah. She has, Michaela has. And it just, they felt like, well, how is this situation still going on after a year? Like lots of contractors visiting subcontractors. Yeah. She basically sounded desperate. Yeah, And she doesn't even read the mail, Margaret. I think her friend does. Her friend yeah. told her about it. One of our um, members told Pat. her about the mail. Yeah, exactly. So why had it taken so long?
1: Well, I mean, that is... Obviously a question for the housing association themselves, which is Riverside. Mm. She heard put in consistent complaints about the issue. What she found was that the same people would be coming, the same contractors, all of which with little context surrounding the situation. When there were surveyors that were meant to come, they wouldn't arrive and someone else would come. She found that she would ask for a joiner and a plumber would be sent. It just seems Mm. like this sort of generally disorganised situation that has meant that these problems have just been able to persist over such a long period of time.
0: Yeah. It's funny, actually, because we get quite a few emails about people living in substandard social housing. Yeah. And I think slightly to my shame, like, we don't normally dig into them. and. Partly that's because sometimes it's quite hard to like work out kind of how they're different, or like i, I, I I'm almost ashamed to say it, but as an editor, when something's so common, it almost mm. feels like well it's not newsworthy, you know it's like mm. we can't take up every case, and sometimes we've had debates about this because the cases can be very, very specific, yeah. like they've got a very specific beef and it's like been going on for a while, and it can get we often do a call with them, and it's just not it's a little bit messy and whatever. And I think if we had ten people or twenty people, we'd probably take on more of them. The thing that really grabbed me about this one is like she came in mm. like she literally walked into the office and did not stop talking for about twenty five minutes until i said margaret i've got I've got a call coming you know mm. I've, got, I've got to got wrap things up and she she sounded so much like they were not being listened to yeah which and and that's the subtext of this piece it's It's about a flat sure, and it's about the rats, and it's about the terrible treatment. but isn't it really about like the way she hasn't been listened to,
1: yeah and that it spans beyond just Riverside as well. She's obviously spoken to local councillors. She's cc'd Lucy Powell, the MP, into most of the emails that she's sent. And she's tried to get in touch with her. And, and has she ever had a response from Lucy No. Powell? They had a response, I think, from their team, but never from the MP herself. Mm. And I think it's just, like you say, there's so many of these cases... And I think it's useful to focus in on one and and give it that perspective of just how powerless you can feel in that situation and how that is probably something that's replicated across Manchester and Greater Manchester.
0: Yeah. This is a massive organisation. I think they've got more than 70,000 homes. Nationwide, yeah. Yeah, nationwide. I don't know how many they've got in Manchester. But tell me about going along on Friday morning because the day before we published this, you actually accompanied Michaela and Margaret. Take us to that.
1: beautiful
0: ceiling. And if you only do the kitchen, I know for the fact that Matt, you won't be coming back. That I doesn't be solved for on this side.
1: When she came in, she said, obviously, do you see the but I can't see. can not seen you going to get a staircase. Said, but it's, she went in, and I said, it's all right. She's buttercatch, I was See, you're going to get one. She's walking this guy in the going, oh, I've come. Mm. from the family concerns for everything. And they're sending a guy out for the
0: stairs now. Which is what I mean, Mikaela, you've got it all. Oh, what you say? Right, you sent me this email and none of it's happening on your behalf. So this isn't going to get done today, is it? Because, because the people aren't, aren't coming. It's common sense, that, not it? Because isn't. They're not coming
1: was the like Yeah, so when I'd spoken to them both in the days before, they told me that they were having a surveyor come in on Friday. Mm. And I asked if I could come along just to kind of want to see the flat because I wanted to get a, a sense of it. And also to see how what they've experienced actually works, like what it's like to be there when there's contractors everywhere. Mm. But then when we get there, a few subcontractors arrive, some like clearance mm. guys, if I remember, and then exterminators mm. but no surveyor mm. and that's when margaret and michaela kind of look at me in this sort of mm. way of like do you see what we mean now yeah like the guy who's meant to be here isn't here again yeah. My and house. that's happened before right yeah yeah and then guys are on the phone like oh yeah this guy's meant to be coming but I've tried to ring him and he said he's in a meeting and Mm -hmm. the housing officer might be here but she's also in the meeting and it was this constant sense of like where's just the right person who's meant to be here and I think this is the issue that I talk about in the piece which is Michaela and Margaret are always coming and the people that were meeting just weren't quite the right people that they needed at that time. And then what you end up having to do is dump all of these problems on a contractor who has no context or real idea of why he's just been sent to do one job. And these guys were just sort of stood there like, yeah, we completely understand that this is wrong, but I'm not the person who can help you. I can try and get that person. And seeing the way, how infuriating it is for them that after a year that was still going on eventually the surveyor did turn up and he had a look around the flat and there was a few conversations about the work that needed to be done and then finally it was mad in a way that I knew this had gone on for a whole year And then all it took was one to just go like yeah okay let's start now
0: and that guy basically said this is a week's work yeah, So they need to get rid of the rats, they need to clean it, they need mm-hmm. to change the furniture, and they need to deal with the staircase as well, right?
1: Well, the staircase is a bit of an iffy one. So the spiral staircase that goes into Michaela's basement, that's just part of the flat. So mm. I mean, I can't speak to the layout of these buildings mm-hmm. or what can be done from what they were talking about, that's something that will need to stay, which will be an issue for her going forward once she's had a baby. Did you go on the staircase? Yeah. And what's it like? It was like rickety and swayy, wow. definitely. And there was spindles missing out of it and all that sort of thing.
0: What else was the flat like?
1: So when you go downstairs, you're in the bedroom mm. and originally it was meant to be a lounge but she had it as a bedroom just because you can do what you want and then uh, adjoining that as a kitchen which was weird to me that you would have a kitchen in the basement in that sort of situation because the means of escape in the event of a fire just didn't really make much sense so you had this Mm. staircase which is unstable and Mm. then you have a set of windows at the end of the kitchen that go out into a courtyard which is maybe like four by four feet Mm. you you would could fit about three people in there Mm. and that's surrounded by high walls that you couldn't scale and then this high walls are actually topped with mesh so you'd actually just be trapped in this courtyard if you did that so i have sent questions to riverside about whether or not they think that that you know covers fire standards under building regulations Mm. but yeah that was something that struck me about the flat as well and something that they talked about michaela and margaret it's a fair that they have
0: yeah the really shameful thing is that the first apology that they've had that we know of to the best of our understanding, is an apology that was sent by Riverside to us, not to them. Riverside said to us, we are sincerely sorry for the problems Miss Ali has experienced. Miss Ali is a customer who's experienced a very unfortunate set of circumstances. And while we have sought to deal with them proactively, it's clear we haven't done so as effectively as we could have. So that's the statement. And there's a lot more detail in there. They say they offered her some other places, which she, she says were not appropriate. I think she mentioned one of them was in Chester. sort of thing.
1: No, it was there was a mention of a place in Chester, but that wasn't one that was offered. Okay. There was one in Ardwick, one in Stratford, okay. but both of them... For her, they weren't like direct bus routes. The guy in Ardwick who was going to be the tenant before, had pulled out. Mm. So it wasn't quite so black and white, from mm. from conversations with Michaela anyway. Yeah.
0: I mean, the first thing that really strikes you is the fact that she's seven months pregnant and she's living in hotels. Yeah. This is a social housing tenant who is living in hotels two months away from giving birth, which must be incredibly stressful and awful. And she's living in those hotels because of inaction. Yeah. Not really because something really, really serious. I mean, they might find something really structurally problem, problematic with the flat, but so far it's really just like the surveyor was like, yeah, this should take a week. And now they're working on it. Yeah, like They worked on Friday, they worked on Saturday, they're working on it, I think, you know, or they were working on Monday. But for a year they haven't. Like, Are they working on it because of the press coverage?
1: Well, I mean, probably not. I think it literally is just when I happened to go, the right guy finally turned up. Yeah. Because if you think that they started, they decided to start the work on Friday, which is the day before we published the piece. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, it wouldn't actually probably be correct to say that it was us. Yeah.
0: Well, hopefully they would have just done it anyway. Yeah. You write in your piece about like coming out of the flat with Margaret and Michaela and sort of looking, you know, in the you're in the Northern Quarter and there are all the bars and all the like expensive flats. Yeah. And just like feeling that like real contrast. Is that have I put that in the right way?
1: Yeah, I would say so. And I was to be fair, I was surprised even though I've, we've written a lot about social housing and homelessness when we did it last year and that put us in touch with these, with people who live in these places, I had no idea that there was such central locations. Mm. Like when Michaela sent me the address, I kind of double-took it because I was like, what, that's like right in the middle of the Northern Quarter. It's just not like it's on the edge of it or anything. You were like right in the middle. As soon as you came out, there was mm. people sitting outside drinking. It was the kind of normal mm, yeah. day that you would expect in the Northern yeah. Quarter. Yeah. And yeah, that was very jarring. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it does speak to write about in the piece which is kind of the social contrast and this idea that yeah. social housing was meant to allow people like michaela to be able to live in our communities and to live in the city center and be part of yeah. manchester society but the trade-off seems to be that you will not have the same standard of housing or the same services and you will run the risk of being left in these kinds of situations
0: yeah exactly it's just like social housing is supposed to mean that not everything is market-based That people who don't earn great big salaries but who are vital to society and share society and share the city centre etc and yet when you find that these flats are really central oh you know this one's really substandard yeah it's quite depressing what's next in this story you met Michaela and Margaret on Monday of this week yeah they came in yeah what's happening
1: um so the work is like well on its way to being finished from what I understand and what they understand Mm. she might be moving back in so it's Tuesday now Mm. um, Thursday that she mm. might be back in there. I think for her though, on a personal level, it's difficult moving back in there considering everything that's gone on. Yeah. She's talked about still that anxiety of the fact that there've been wrapped in there. Like I've never experienced that. Mm. And I could imagine that if I'd lived somewhere and now know that at some point there was a family of rats above my head and I had no mm. idea mm. Like you would never be comfortable again mm. and especially if you're then gonna have baby there as well mm. you'd be con you know one of the guys who one of the contractors who came previously to try and work on the flat when mm. he found out that there'd been rats in there he just left and refused to work in there because he had wheels disease yeah which is something you contract on rats and it's kind of like um, a chest and was this
0: when fact. you were there or was this on a previous visit? this is on a previous visit right. the
1: guys who I Matt knew him mm. and we're like yeah he caught it in Middleton from another flat and mm. ever since then he's like I don't go anywhere with rats mm. but yeah I mean that's a sort of anxiety that would literally eat in Z brain in my mm. mind so I don't know what her next step would be whether or not she'll go back to there and stay there mm. she had previously been offered a flat in the same building but mm. then once she found out she was pregnant and it was so many flights of stairs she mm. couldn't have it so I think yeah the next step for her is actually seeing that work done Mm. because she has a massive mistrust in the housing association because of how long it's taken. She's heard so many times it's going to be done and then it hasn't been. Mm. So yeah, for her, I think it's a lot of it's just kind of the validation of seeing her request actually fulfilled.
0: What did it feel like to you personally seeing this flat, knowing that people are being asked to live in places like that, seeing someone who's you know heavily pregnant having to live in hotels and stuff? What did you kind of make of
1: it all? Yeah, I mean it's it's the same whenever you go like I've been to various places around the city where housing has been substandard and you realise that the people that you meet in there are the same people that you meet every day of your life, if that makes sense. Mm. Like Mikhail is a nurse's assistant, mm. my mum's a nurse. Mm. I've spent lots of times in hospitals and spoken to lots of people in hospitals mm. and it's the realization that the person who you could go to get a public service from or ha- gives you a coffee in the morning or whatever mm. could be going home to live somewhere that's rat infested mm. and there's virtually no whether well, there obviously is no justifiable reason for someone to live in housing like that but there's also there can be these cases where there's also nothing really being meaningfully done to help them get out of that situation yeah and that's just someone you could meet on the street like it's That to me is always the thing that strikes me is when I meet them and it's like, oh, you're just kind of like Mm. a normal person I could go anywhere with or Mm, meet. mm. And yet you live in this completely opposed living situation to what I do and what most people do, really.
0: Yeah. Obviously, there's a lot more like focus and attention on social housing since the Awab Bishak yeah. story.
1: And
0: there's more sort of publicity from the Ombudsman about complaints and that kind of thing. There's legislation. But there clearly needs to be, just from the reporting we've done before and loads of other people have done, there clearly needs to be re- reform in the social housing sector yeah. to give social tenants more power, to make sure that there are mechanisms so that they're heard. So that people who don't have lots of like middle class connections, like I've got a lawyer friend or I know someone Mm. at the council or whatever, can get their way when they're being badly treated,
1: right? Yeah, Yeah, 100%. And that is a two way street in the social housing tenants not having that power in the first place engenders a sort of mindset in them where they almost believe they don't, they shouldn't Mm -hmm. have that power. Yeah, like a, when we spoke on Monday, me and Michaela, and when we spoke about earlier, she talked about this sense that it was actually her fault somehow. Mm. People were coming in being like, "Oh, what's other places infested?" and it's almost like, "What have you done?" Yeah. and it's like, "No, she's done nothing. This is completely blameless." Here. Yeah. And then we were talking, and I've just written the follow up to this piece, and one of the quotes in it, to paraphrase, is kind of like, "She never really felt as though the housing association cared." Mm. or gave much priority to her personal well-being and then she said herself she was like but why would they because at the end of the day they're getting the rent mm. and I think that's the sort of mindset that you can build yourself into where it's like well mm. why would this landlord care about me all they want is the rent from me and I'm left to sort of figure everything else out afterwards which is not the way it should be and it definitely shouldn't be that way in housing association or social housing where these are specifically designed for people who are often vulnerable or like you say don't have the connections to really feel empowered
0: yeah We'll do more on this story in the um, weeks ahead. You've written a short thing for the for members this week. Yeah. Thank you to everyone for listening. We'll be back in your feeds very soon. If you think this kind of journalism is important or you want to help us do more of it, please go to manchestermill.co.uk forward slash subscribe and you can become a member. Thank you to all of those of you who are already members. Subscriptions are really what what drive us forward what allow us to do everything the whole mill is built on the idea of getting money from readers and we've now got two and a half thousand subs which is really cool we've just passed that milestone but we're trying to have a record month and get and get lots more so if you're not a member yet you like this kind of thing you want to get behind us and also get all our members only journalism every month eight extra editions please go to our website and, and subscribe and we will see you very soon soon